Hey, Daniel, are you there? Yeah. Did you know there's an offensive coordinator position open in Canada? Are you interested in that? Um, yeah, I don't have a horrible criminal history. I think I could do that. Sounds good. This is the Frogcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are excited to talk preseason football. We are going to do a preseason show tonight, talk about our expectations for 2017. We are going to look at some key players that are going to help the Frogs go forward and also talk about if these things don't work, maybe the Frogs will take another step back. Big 12 championship. Who's going to make it? Game-by-game prediction for TCU in 2017. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, guys, it's hard to believe, but uh, Steve Sarkeesian had a longer tenure as the offensive coordinator at Alabama than Art Bryles did in the Canadian Football League. Are any of you, what are you more surprised by, that he got fired in less than 24 hours or that he even got the job in the first place? <laughs> well, surprised he got hired in the first place, I think. I, I don't know what they were thinking, except for maybe it was in Canada and nobody would notice. But unfortunately for them, I mean, that's something that's going to follow that guy around forever. So I don't I don't know what they were thinking. I believe in second chances, but man, not for him. I mean, that guy—he's—he had so many chances to do what was right while he was in Texas, and like Jeremiah said, he's not ever. I don't think he's ever going to work uh, as a coach again. He'll probably be just one of those, just one of those uh, consultant roles that you see. He's been a bum since he was at Stephenville, so. Uh, I'm really surprised with the track record that long that he would get hired, even in Canada. But thanks to the internet, everyone knows of the scumbaggery that is Art Bryles. So, uh, but it's pretty funny that it blew up on him, and everyone's laughing now. You know, getting kicked out of the Canadian Football League is like getting kicked out of LSU for grades. It's just you got to work really hard for that to happen. So, I mean, that is that's like getting dressed, kicked out of a Waffle House for not being dressed up enough. That I don't even want to know what the what the what the ethical Mendoza line is for for Canadian football. But Art Browse found a way to get below it. So, the same week that the book Violated came out about all that has gone on at Baylor, somebody thought, "Hey, let's hire that guy," and then here we are. So. Shock of all shocks, it didn't work out for Art Browse in the Canadian Football League. But the good news is we've got TCU football starting up this week. We're recording this on Monday night. In less than a week, the Frogs will be on the field at home, night game. Get out there, tailgate, enjoy, because this is kicking off the greatest sport in human history, which is college football. Guys, we're going to take we're going to talk a lot about the 2017 season, but I just want to kind of take a look back. We had, I think by all of us in agreement, the 2016 season was a disappointment in a lot of ways. Games that we should have won, that we lost, a couple games where we got pushed around and we didn't like it. That's just kind of what it is. But I'd love to hear from all three of you. Let's start with you, Daniel, and we'll kind of make our way around. How did you stay positive about during, about TCU during this offseason? Because I think we're all going to talk about the high expectations that we have. How did you stay positive after a difficult 2016? Well, I just kind of looked at it and said, well, we're not Baylor. And so I was pretty happy after that. <laughs> That's a Daniel good way to look at it. He loves to hate on some Baylor <laughs> Yes, he does. Why do um, you want to hate on Baylor football? I just want to coach Baylor football. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, aside from that, I, I, you know, I, uh, you know, thinking about uh, the people returning, um, seeing that, um, you know, just kind of various news bits that would come out throughout the off season, like Doug Meacham going to Kansas, so Sonny Cumbie taking over, um, and then uh, you know getting excited about players like Ross Blacklock, and um, you know I, I'm I'm excited about uh, like Darius Anderson, some guys like that. Um, so I I get I I just you know stuck with it, and and you know I could just see what we had coming. Uh, you know the players, the uh, the recruiting class for next year. Of course, is a lot of fun, or uh, not this year and next year. And so, you know, pretty standard fare. A lot of things went well. 
for uh, for TCU, and uh, so it was it was actually pretty easy to stay optimistic. What about you, Jeremy? Well, I think the the biggest thing is just looking ahead, and you know, kind of like reading a good book. You want to see what's on the next page. You can't wait to get to the next page. And one of the things I like about the football team is is just having a chance to go out there and, and see new players. And when you hear about guys and, that are arriving in the summer from the 17 class that are already working good and, and impressing other teammates and the coaches, you get excited about that. And for us, for myself and Jeremiah, we stay busy with football year-round. So recruiting is a, a year-round thing. you got football camps. But being around the coaches and just seeing some of those guys during the summer and, and you know, just how animated they are and, and – you know, how much they love the game of football. You just know the the football team's always going to be in good hands with those guys coaching them. And like Daniel said, I, I, I get excited just to, you know, see see what the team's going to be like. I mean, it, it's 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 like Christmas. It really is. It's just having a chance to watch the guys after spending the summer developing, getting bigger, stronger, faster. And seeing the new players are going to make an impact. You always you always look at the roster, and it, it's crazy because everyone always seems to gravitate toward the younger players. Even though you might have some great juniors or seniors playing at certain positions, the younger players are always the ones that seem to get the attention. And, and for me, it's kind of like that. I, I'm guilty of wa- always watching the younger players and seeing how well they're going to do. And that's probably the most thing I'm excited about and what kind of got me through the offseason, knowing that they have some great young players. They've got a lot of great players coming back, and it – it's so much buzz around the program that is similar to what it was before 2014. And I'm kind of like coach, I'm kind of like coach Patterson. I'm kind of, I'm kind of giddy right now, just knowing what they have and seeing if they're going to make it transition to the football field. What about you, Jeremiah? You know, I mean, the way I look at it is every year is a new year. I mean, you just never know what you're going to get from one year to the next. And obviously you know, last year ended on a sour note. You really dig into the numbers, man. They were just a few points away from it being a completely different season, an eight or nine win season um, with a guy that was a first year quarterback in this system. And, you know, there's so many drops. I, I, I think I'm more of a glass half full kind of guy for the most part through, through life, you know. Um, so I, I looked at this team and I, I saw the discrepancies, you know, the issues. I could see where they were weak. But I saw a lot of positives, and I saw a lot of young talent on this roster. And I felt like if they could just tweak a couple of things, that that you know this year could be a really good year for them. Then to see the the coaching hires they made in the off season, the excitement around the team, um, there just seemed to be a new energy around there. And when was the last time Coach Patterson had back to back losing seasons? You know, so all of that for me kind of pointed the arrow back in the right direction. I felt like. You know, this is a team I, I've predicted 10 and 2. Um, this is a team that's going to battle for the Big 12 championship. I firmly believe that. And I think you're going to see the return of the, the defense playing the way, you know, Coach Patterson wants his defense to play. So all those those factors kind of all coming together, and it, it kind of gave me a positive outlook for the 2017 season. Yeah, I think the number one thing that kept me positive was the the changes in the coaching staff. When you look at Coach Looper being promoted, Sonny Cumbie being promoted to the play caller, maybe some better chemistry on that front. Uh, Sonny Dykes coming in, Chris Thompson coming in. The last time we did a massive staff overhaul, yeah, obviously we uh, we we had a great response to it with 2014, 2015, and I think I think we're going to be positioned to have similar results this year because that commitment to high a high level of chemistry is something that's obviously very important to coach Patterson. He loves the camaraderie on his staff when it, when it works, there's, there's no substitute for it. All right, let's switch gears here, guys. I think we all know that Kenny Hill is the, the key that's going to make the engine hum for a TCU offense and the whole season in 2017. Dave Campbell, Texas football has said that Kenny Hill is the most important player in college football in the state of Texas. And I don't think I disagree with that. Their assessment was he could be the one to take them to 11 wins, or he could be the reason that they only get six wins again. Let's go ahead and put Kenny in a bracket here. Other than Kenny Hill, and let's start with you, Jeremiah, who's the one player that needs to exceed expectations on this team for TCU to thrive and soar in 2017? I'm going to go defensive side of the ball. You know, I I think uh, a guy like Traven Howard, I mean, obviously – 
We've seen what he can do the last couple of years, but I think he's going to be kind of the glue that makes that thing stick together on the defensive side. There's going to be, some, I think, some young guys step up this year and really do some things. Um, but I think Traven, he just looks different to me this year uh, physically. Um, I, I think he's going to be an even bigger playmaker on defense this year. He knows the defense inside and out. He's a leader. Um, he just he looks like a linebacker this year physically. And uh, I, I think he's going to be a guy that can really lead the charge. I, I could have picked a couple of guys in the secondary, but, you know, I, I just – Trayvon Howard is just a name that sticks out to me. I, I think he's, he's a real glue guy for that defense. Daniel, which side of the ball are you going to pick and who are you going to go with to be the number one player that really needs to exceed expectations other than Kenny Hill? I feel like a uh, place kicker should be, you know, that, that – that was the difference in several games last year, and um, that's something that's just right off the top of my head because it's it's been on my mind, you know, for a year or however long, a year minus a season, um, uh, because because of that reason right there. So I mean, there's other uh, positions. I think um, it's hard to pick one player because I because I think you know the offensive line needs to be better because we got pushed around a lot. Uh, but I'm going to go with kicker because uh, that's where we, you know, we make a few field goals. We win a few more games last year, uh, which, you know, has could have had a huge impact on uh, recruiting and so forth. So, uh, and if that improves again this year, I think we'll be doing pretty, pretty darn well. If we had a kicker last year, we, we would have won nine games at least, at least. So I think, I think you're probably accurate in that. Jeremy, give us give us one player other than Kenny Hill that's got to step up this season. Well, other than the receivers, uh, to pinpoint just one guy, I'll go on defense as well. Um, but Ben Banigou is the guy that I really want to see um, step up, and, and I think he's going to have to step up because usually when TCU has good uh, defenses, it always starts up front with their defensive line. And he's going to have big, big shoes to fill this year with Josh Carraway and James McFarland gone. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of expectations for him right now. He's got a lot of high praise from Coach Patterson. Obviously, he has a really, uh, really athletic frame. Uh, apparently, he has four or five speed, so he's got a good speed off the edge. And I think the more uh, success he has, the better the defense will be. But they have got to get to the quarterback this year in, in the Big 12, pass happy lead. You've got to have a great defensive end that's going to go after the quarterback. So uh, Ben's going to be the guy that I think is going to have to excel for uh, – the TCU defense to be successful. I, I can't wait to see Ben play. He looks so good at, at ULM, and I think he's going to make an impact this year for the Frogs. I'm going to have to go ahead and go with Nico Small. We need somebody to be the Derek Kendrick, Sam Carter of this defense. Somebody that's got some chops, somebody that's not afraid to hit, and somebody that has seen the game kind of slow down in his years of being in the program. I think Nico Small is, is prime for a good year. If he is second team all big 12 the frogs will have won 10 games i'm big on nico small moving forward into 2017 well let's go ahead and flip the coin here and snake our way back we'll start with you jeremy uh if things fall apart this season let's say we have another six win season or a seven win season if, if we take a step back and that would be a massive step back for our program to be totally honest what would have what would be the most likely cause of us only winning six or seven games or even worse what when will we know if what what will be part of the bottom that fell out to have another uh, trip up of a season. Well, when you have so many guys coming back from a year ago, I think the the biggest thing is if, if the season does fall apart, it's probably going to be uh, mainly due to injuries. I think if they ha have some, uh, excuse me, some guys that uh, get knocked out of season, some key players. That, I mean, obviously, you look at, at a guy like Kyle Hicks; he's questionable for Saturday. If that injury prolongs and he's not able to go to some of these games, it's obviously going to hurt them in, in some aspect. But if you have a a key player getting injured, that's that's obviously going to hurt some games. And the kicking game is is not on par like it should be. We've heard that it's improved. We've heard that Brandon Ritchie can kick the ball. We've heard Jonathan Song can kick the ball. But kickers are a crazy breed, man. They've got to be consistent. They've got to uh, they they play mind games with with coaches and with fans. I mean, you gotta you gotta have uh, a consistent kicker. And, and lastly, I mean, I, I, everyone else is going to say it probably, but Kenny Hill. I mean, I think. Uh, for the most part, the success of this season rides on the shoulders of Kenny Hill. If you look at last season, yeah, the kickers 
struggled, but there were some games uh, where Kenny had that he just wasn't good. He wasn't. He was not uh, good throwing the football. He wasn't making good decisions, and uh, not to blame him solely for last year, but I think if he plays well, the offense plays well, and and that's like that with every offense in college football. As long as the quarterback's playing good, most of the time the offense is playing well. But it's got to be a collective effort to help Kenny. Receivers got to catch the ball. Lyman's got to block, and right now everything we're hearing it. It's improved, so we'll see. Daniel, where, what are you most fearful of for the bottom falling out of this season? Um, well, yeah, Kenny Hill, but I feel like if if he, you know, drops out, you know, and it's you know dropping games and or, or losing games for us or the games lost because of him. Uh, and they put in Sean Robinson. And if that happens early enough, then maybe they can salvage the season. But if it's like midway through and they decide to switch, then, um, you know, maybe it's not, not enough time for him to get it. I mean, a, a true freshman quarterback is, a, a, you know, not exactly what what you want. Um, but I, I feel like it's either that or some kind of um, strange – uh coaching staff uh whatever we had last year with Doug Meacham that you know trickled down to the players um so 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 to speak whatever I, I don't know that 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 has a that has worried worried me because I feel like Patterson's fixed that but let's hope uh I mean I don't know you know what I mean whatever happened last year I hope it doesn't happen this year with the the staff yeah, that can be a cause of concern. I hope I, I trust that that's been sorted out. But man, if you got staff issues, that's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, and, and Jeremiah, there, go, ahead and, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it could have been there all along from 2014, but we didn't see it because, um, you know, the they were they were Boykin and uh, Dotson were able to just you know keep running up the score, so we didn't uh, blow games and we didn't have anybody to blame, so we didn't think about it. Yeah. Yeah, winning covers up a multitude of sins. <laughs> Jeremiah, what are you most fearful of that could cause this season to be a step back? I hate to, <clears throat> I hate to pile on, but I don't know how it could really be anybody other than Kenny Hill. I mean, he's, he's your signal caller. He's your field general. He's your guy that <clears throat> everybody's looking to. Every, you know, you've heard all the stuff in the offseason about how he's made the right improvements. He's worked really hard. Um, I still believe Kenny Hill has a lot of talent. Um I don't know if it was mental or physical or a combination of the, of both. You know, I've I've wondered if there's something you know in his release or delivery. Um, but you know, knowing that Sonny Cumbie's your quarterback coach as well as your offensive coordinator, I know that anything like that's been been worked on and tweaked. Um, my biggest thing is it, it's, it's going to be confidence with Kenny Hill. But you know, if he keeps his confidence, I think they're going to be fine. But I. I my question is: If they lose a game early, if they drop that game in Oklahoma State in the, in the you know the first first tough road conference game, <clears throat> is that is that going to make them tailspin, or can they are they have going to have the mental toughness to, to pull out of that? Because I think this team is is very talented, and they're a year older than they were last year. So it's going to come down to Kenny Hill to me. Um, can he keep the train on the tracks even if they drop a game or two, and let these guys understand that? Even if you drop a game or two, there's still so much to play for. And I, and I feel like, you know, last year, maybe you lose a couple of games and maybe you, you don't – you think, okay, playoffs are bust. But these guys need to understand that every game is important and uh, you never know what's going to happen in the rest of the conference. So I think if Kenny Hill can, can do what he's capable of and just keep his head on straight and just play within his abilities, I think they're going to be fine. But, yeah, he's the one guy that I'm watching um, to make sure that, you know, he, uh, he keeps everybody pointed in the right direction. Yeah, not to put any pressure on you, Kenny, but that's what we've been talking about the last seven minutes. Don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it's not just us. I mean, this has been all offseason. You know? It's all offseason, yes. And I understand it's, it's a lot of pressure on the guy, but when you're a, you're the quarterback for a high-powered offense in the Big 12 and you know it's, Texans love their football, and Kenny Hill's a big name from South Lake Carroll to Texas A&M and now here and – there's a lot of expectations, and that, that comes with where he is. And so hopefully he's mature enough now, and, and uh, he's figured out the things that didn't work for him last year, and, and they can get rolling. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think we've kind of summed up what the what could be the cause of our of our precipitous decline for a second straight season. So I won't I won't pile on anymore. But I will agree with kicker. I will, will agree with quarterback. And I, I think I, I don't I don't know how to judge our defensive backfield, but I think we have to have a little bit more physicality from our corners and from our safeties. And if we're not able to fix some of those issues, I think I think we're going to be in trouble. But I think our defensive line is going to be able to help us on that front. That's so, a big, that's that's a not big all... deal right there. Yeah, I think if the defensive line can get more pressure, which I think they will, that's going to take some of that pressure off the secondary. Yeah, because Ranthony Tejada is good back there, and I know that Nico Small is, is, is strong back there. We have good – Jeff Gladney I expect big things out of this year. Julius Lewis, hopefully he's 100% ready to go. Those are quality players. Those are guys that should that should perform very well on Saturdays in the Big 12, and I think our defensive line is going to help make that happen. So I think, I think they had to carry too big a burden of the – difficulty of our defensive tackles last season so looking forward to seeing some changes on that front all right what are you looking forward to most from this team i know that we can say oh we want to see kenny hill do well or we want to win a lot of games or we want to be baylor by 80 but what, what are you most excited about when you think about tcu in 2017 jeremiah let's start with you what's what, what's on the tip of your tongue what are you excited to see from the frogs this year <clears throat> this may be selfish but you know, I love taking these. I love taking road trips to go to see these games, and I've never been to Arkansas, so I'm looking forward to the second game of the season and getting to go up into SEC country. And I think TC is going to win that game, so I'm excited to see kind of what what they put on the field. I don't think, uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't worry me that Kyle Hicks is going to miss this first game. Possibly, you know, I I think they're going to save a little bit in the tank for Arkansas as well. They should um, because I don't think Jackson State's going to be too too much of an obstacle, but um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that trip. You know, um, I always like the Oklahoma trips. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to those. But uh, the Arkansas trip this year for me, I, I, I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, going to go call the hogs and hopefully fry some bacon up. What are you most <laughs> looking forward to this season, Jeremy? Uh, a lot of wins, I guess. <laughs> I mean, just, just to show that last year was kind of a fluke season for them, I, like Jeremiah mentioned earlier, they lost a lot of games that were some pretty close games. And I think uh, the team and the coaches are ready to get back out there and, and really prove that um, their their uh, program is not indicative of that six and seven season they had last year. So that's probably what I'm most looking forward to, just, just a chance for those guys to really go out and redeem themselves and like Jeremiah, I like the road trips, man. I like I love uh, Manhattan, Kansas. I mean, I'm probably the only guy that's ever said that. Um, Did you just say I love Manhattan, Kansas? Hey, it's hey, a fun hey. trip. I've got his back hey. on that one. <laughs> yeah. It's a good hey. crowd. Me, me and me and uh, OJG get a chance to to bond in the car and just talk about good old stories of old high school days, college days, and man, it's. I'm telling you, man, I can listen to Jeremiah tell some stories about baseball for hours. I mean, he'll tell you, it's a fun trip. It's it's cool for us to get get a chance to, to bond on those trips and, and uh, you know, just get out of town and go see some football, too. That's really cute, guys. Oh, thanks, we have, man. Hey, we have, we have a uh, – I'm not judging. I'm not judging, but I know who the big fan is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about you, Daniel? What are you? What are you most looking forward to this season? <clears throat> I am most looking forward to, I guess, a few elements that will add up to winning a lot. Hopefully, the Big Twelve. Um, I'm looking forward to um, play calling that makes sense. Uh, I'm looking forward, which includes running the ball a lot more. I'm looking forward to um, a traditional. Gary Patterson defense haven't seen that in a couple of years. Um, they haven't been uh, they haven't been wreaking havoc like they should be, and I feel like we're getting close to the point where that could definitely be happening again. Um, so yeah, seeing that because I'm I missed that. You know, I watched it wasn't too long ago. I watched the Rose Bowl, and um, even against big old Wisconsin, they still tore them up. So. I'm looking forward to that and then and seeing the new offense and then um, maybe making a trip to Arlington for the Big 12 championship game. That, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, can, that I would be. How, can I say how proud I am of Daniel right now? Why I mean, is that? He, he went through that whole answer without saying anything bad about Baylor. 
he could have let he could have let off with something bad about Baylor, but that dude, you took the high road this time, my man. Good job. I've grown a little. That's all. A little. <laughs> He's grown the last thirty minutes. minutes. <laughs> oh man. You know the thing I think I'm most looking forward to is I want to be on the edge of my seat when our defense is on the field in anticipation, not in fear. I want to see a defense that just just drops the hammer. I'm, I, maybe I'm the only person on the board. I love the idea of Ty Summers at defensive end. I want to see him rushing the edge and dropping that big body on some quarterback from the blind side. I'm looking forward to seeing guys like Ross Blacklock and Ben Bagnew being able to come out and cause havoc on the front on the defensive front. So I want to see a defense that that that, 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 that teams get worried about, not excited about playing. And I think we have the potential to do that this year because let's just be honest. That's one of the things that's really slipped. And I I, I think Patterson has probably lost a lot of sleep at night wanting to, wanting to recover some of that. And I think this is a great year for that to happen. I think we got the personnel. I think we've got the scheme. And I, I cannot wait to see some of these guys get on the field to cause some problems. So Yeah, because remember the good old days when, like, the offense, you know, they struggled and they'd go three and out. And you'd be like, all right, okay, I just have to wait for the defense to stuff them real quick and we'll get another shot, you know, because um, you knew the defense had it and had their back. Uh, I'm ready to get back to that. That was That was fun. Yeah, you can afford the offense only scoring 17 points a game and winning. That's, yeah. That's, that's, those are the good old days right there. You could beat the Big Ten champion by just scoring 21 points. Those were the good old days. I love that. <laughs> yeah, the, the image I have is still from, from the Peach Bowl where, uh, you know, we had picked off Bo Wallace right away. Second play from scrimmage. Colby Lesson beat Aaron Green on the double pass that Tim Tebow saw coming. And then they, you know, everybody's celebrating and they go to the bench and there's Sam Carter just sitting on the bench drinking water like, okay, we're going to go get the ball back. I'm going to go hit him as hard as I can. I'm going to light some guy up if he comes into my territory. I cannot wait to see that recovered, and I think they can do that this year. All right, let's a uh, couple, couple quick things here on the Big 12 before we start to move towards our bowl predictions where everybody's going to go on the record here. You know, the Big 12 has kind of taken a beating. Let's just start with this. The Big 12 has kind of taken a beating in terms of uh, reputation in the last few years. Just anybody, what are your thoughts? Is, is that deserved? Are we truly the fifth out of the, of the five Power Five conference team, conferences? Or is some of that just media narrative? What, do we deserve kind of the millstone around our neck as a conference? It is, it is media narrative, in my opinion, because look what the Big 12 teams do in bowl games And you know, all the, all the people that say the Big 12 doesn't play defense, well, that, that's not the case when they play other Power 5 conferences and bowl games. You know, I I think that the perception that the Big 12 was down was when Texas was down and Oklahoma maybe didn't win it the year. Like 2014, you know, TCU and Baylor. You know, the, to me, you still got elite teams at the top of the of the conference, but people think the conference is down if, if a blue, blue blood program isn't on top. Um but I think this year that you're going to be five teams deep that can play with anybody in the country. So um, I, I don't think that the Big 12 is five, fifth out of five. You know, I don't know where exactly that would rank them right now. But I just, that whole narrative is, was, in my opinion, a lot driven by the media just from not knowing that it, when you, you know, to actually say that they, they don't play defense, the Big 12 is not factual at all. I mean, uh, watch some of the games. I know they get high-scoring games, but then watch the other Power 5 teams try to stop these offenses. They can't do it. Yeah, I agree with Jeremiah. I mean, it is, it's really driven, just like pretty much everything in this country, uh, driven by the media. Um, Jeremiah spoke about it. In the, in the bowl games, the Big 12 went 4-2, I believe. They had the number one defense out of all the conferences in the bowl games. When you play it, when you play probably what twenty to twenty-five more snaps per game on defense, you're going to have a higher rate of defense. When you play against teams that are throwing the ball because they got great quarterbacks, great receivers, good running backs in the league, good offensive linemen, you're going you're going to have people downplaying the defense. But the numbers don't lie. You look at the bowl games. Big Twelve is playing defense. Big Twelve loves the fact they don't have to go against a team. 90 to 100 snaps of a ball game. I mean, Gary Patterson said that himself. If you don't have to go out there on defense and, and play that many snaps, heck yeah, you're going to be successful, period. So I think I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that 
you you have you have uh, teams like Jeremiah mentioned Texas and Oklahoma that weren't you know very very good a couple of years. So Oklahoma did make it into the playoffs a couple of years ago, but when TCU and Baylor were successful, they weren't really giving them credit. But if you look at the top twenty-five right now, you have five teams in the Big Twelve and top twenty-five. You have TCU at basically number twenty-six. So six out of ten teams right there are in the top twenty-six programs in the country. So. Yeah, I think the Big 12 is uh, right where they need to be. Could they uh, get a little bit more national notoriety on defense? Yeah, but that's always going to be tough to do when you're playing against some of the best offenses week in and week out. I'm sorry. I mean, it's just my opinion. You know, I love the idea that, you know, when 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 that we can blame the media for everything. I mean, that's just the go-to mode. But I think it's actually driven by – am I wrong? Do I sound like a conspiracy theorist when I say – that the SEC network is owned by ESPN and that they want to see us kind of become uh, the, the permanent underclass. Am I wrong in that? No. I mean, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, even if you take away the, like the, the foil hats and all that, it's just, you know, that's just business. They would rather you watch the SEC and whatever ESPN is showing rather than whatever Fox is showing, you know, and Fox is the same way. They'd want, they're going to pimp their product as well. So it kind of sucks, um, but that's just the way it is. You know, I, I would add this, though. This is just to kind of split the diff, uh, to, to, to offer another view. There is a there is a new sport outlet. There is a new news outlet that I'm a big fan of called The Athletic that Stuart Mandel and Max Olson, Nicole Arobach, and the guy Jason Kersey that used to cover uh, Arkansas for, in Oklahoma. They've started this new pay website that's like three bucks a month that's covering sports and they're, they have no ads on their site and they write long, more informative articles than just, Hey, it's a quick hit. Seven reasons why Auburn should make the playoffs. Um, I I'm looking forward. I subscribed to that today. I'm looking forward to reading their stuff because they don't have the link to ratings. So they're, they're not, they don't need to tell you nine reasons why Vanderbilt Kentucky is the second best game this week because they don't, they're not, they don't have a invested interest in you watching the SEC network. So I'm really interested to see if, um, if that kind of journalism can thrive because I think it's what people desire. And I'm, I, I thought I'd put my money where my mouth is and give my couple bucks a month to people that are actually going to cover the sport without it being connected to um, the ratings or, or the idiots. Like, you know, Clay Travis is a jackass as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, there's a whole bunch of people that just make money off of running their mouth about the SEC. And um, I'm really glad that there's going to be some alternatives to that. And including, and we're, we're all excluded. We're not part of the media. We are objective reporters who bring no bias to the to the table. Am I correct, Daniel? I hate Baylor. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think the Big 12 is in a deficit, though. I, I don't think that we recruit as well as other conferences. And I think that we don't always excel on the national stage. Um, but that said, I think we could have won the national championship in 2014. So I don't have any doubt about that. And, and I think, and 2010, absolutely 2010, maybe more likely in 2010 than 2014. So I will, I'm going to go with Jeremy. I think, I think some of that can, can be solved this season. I, or, uh, yeah, we have a lot of teams that are going to be ranked six in the top 26. I think we're going to make a huge impact this season. So, so when you think about what people are saying about the Big 12 right now, what do you think people are going to be saying about the Big 12 at the end of the season? I know we're kind of dipping our toe into the water of projections here, but what do you think people will be saying about the Big 12 at the end of the season? Probably that they're overrated. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, if you, if, you get, if you get a couple of those teams that are going to be successful like a lot of folks do think they can be, you're probably going to get the old generic, oh, they're overrated. They don't play anyone. That's why they're so good. That's what argument you heard in 2014 when TCU and Baylor were steamrolling people. They were The, the conference was overrated. And that you're always going to hear that. If, if the same thing happens, if for some reason Oklahoma does well this year, Texas does well, TCU, it's going to be the same narrative where, oh, they don't play anyone. It's, it's not a strong conference. But – that's from knucklehead fans. I think the smart people will actually look at it and say, you know what? They did have six teams that were really good teams, basically top 25 teams. And for those one or two teams that are going to make it to the championship, those teams do deserve a chance to be in the playoffs. So, but from the, from the knucklehead fan bases, you're going to hear overrated from the media and, and other sorts like that. You might hear a little respect as long as it's one of the, uh, 
quote unquote blue blood programs like Jeremiah was mentioned earlier. But I think TCU's starting to get that respect. You know, if TCU comes in and does have a good season like a lot of people are expecting, then I think by now they have that respect to have people saying, you know what, they do they do deserve to have a chance to play in the playoff. I I think you're actually um not trying to disagree with Jeremy because he kind of gave a, a point for both sides, you know, but I actually think um, this is going to be a banner year for the Big 12. I, I think that the Oklahoma State program, I think they're going to be – that's going to be a heck of a football team this year. And I think uh, I think Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, TCU, I think Texas is going to win nine games this year. Um, I, I think there's – at the end of the season, people are going to say, you know what, that's a really good conference this year. I think that people are going to actually see some depth and uh, I think the teams at the bottom are getting better. People might laugh at this right now, but, man, do not sleep on Kansas and Iowa State. I'm telling you guys, it's a matter of time before they start winning more games. They're getting better players. they got really good coaching staffs there right now. They're getting the facilities. That, you know, Iowa State's got great, you know, uh, their fans are just amazing. You know, so I just think from top to bottom, this conference is going to be really solid this year. How about big Iowa State? State. Oh, Kansas, oh, yeah. Kansas is going to be good. There's no doubt. I mean, I think you can pencil them in every year. I don't care what people predict at the beginning of the year for Kansas State. Don't believe it. They're going to be – every year that Snyder is there, that's going to be a thorn-in-your-side type game. They're going to be physical, and they're going to hit you in the mouth. So that I think that always goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, I will say, though, I, 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 I cringe every time I hear, like, the lazy narrative about – well, you know, Kansas State—they just over you know—they just exceed expectations, and they're 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 so well coached and so disciplined. Like every other team in the country is just like sloppy, lazy, and never does anything. You know, they they talk like they just picked up these guys out of a, like a nursing home and decided to put them on their team. That Bill Snyder knows how to recruit and find people that are more than just a four-star rivals rating that anybody can recruit, and he knows how to win games and. The idea that, that somebody thinks uh, Kevin Sumlin is a better coach than Bill Snyder just kind of amazes me. But they're in the SEC, so that's the most important thing. Hey, but didn't uh, Kansas State beat them in a bowl game last year? So. Yes, they did, and it was glorious. <laughs> there was My favorite picture I've seen is floating around is where they're, you know, Kansas State is down on the two, I think, getting ready to score. And it's where they got Ertz underneath center, and they got that three-back set who's only – those three backs, they're all about a yard off the line of scrimmage where their only job is to push the – quarterback in the back and drive him into the end zone i, I love that because it was right over miles garrett and dalen mack and they couldn't do anything to stop it <laughs> yep. i know well let's go ahead and put our let's go ahead and start putting our money where our mouth is here let's do two things number one predict the big 12 title game and who's going to win it who are the two teams you've got in the big 12 title game and who do you think is going to win it let's start with you jeremy <laughs> kansas state kansas state and oklahoma that's my prediction. Uh, Kansas State, like you said, Jeff, they've got great coaching. They've got a lot of good players coming back. They're going to have their tough game at home. If they can go on the road and win at Oklahoma State late in the season, then they'll have a very good chance to play in, that, play in the, the Big 12 championship. They get Oklahoma at home. They get West Virginia at home. And, you know, it's it's one of those uh, situations where I'm, I'm never going to doubt Coach Snyder and I still think Oklahoma's going to be a, a team to beat even without Bob Stoops. I, I, I almost put Oklahoma State in there. I really did almost put Oklahoma State in there. But Oklahoma State's going to have a hell of a two-week stretch between playing Kansas State and Oklahoma back-to-back. So who do you have winning that game, OU? Do you have Oklahoma winning the Big 12 again? <laughs> yeah, I have. Man, it's tough because I've, I've really gone back and forth with Kansas State and, and Oklahoma. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give Oklahoma the the edge in the in the uh, Big 12 championship because I think by that time they they'll have uh, rebounded from losing in Manhattan. Okay, bold prediction there, Daniel. Who do you have in the Big 12 title game, and who do you have winning? Uh, TCU, Oklahoma State. TCU wins. I love it. I love the unbiased ah, journalism. There it is. That's nice. There it is. That's Got great. us beating the pokes. You know, that's that's something we've only done once in the Big 12, as we all know. We've only beaten Mike Gundy in the, in the mullet with its soothing powers one time. So that would hey, be a big I, win for our program. I want to say something, too, that the only two losses I think TCU has is against Oklahoma and Kansas State. So that's why I don't have them in the Big 12 championship. 
Well, that would put us at ten and two. It probably in uh, the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. I would not complain about I, that at all. I think we lose to Oklahoma State in Stillwater and then have the rematch and beat them down in Arlington. You got them going eleven and one. I got some pretty thick purple shades on, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I just, I don't That's know. Great. I get a good vibe about some things, and I know it'll be tough, but why not? Why not? I made a, mista- I made a mistake. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State doesn't play Oklahoma and Kansas State back-to-back. I, I forgot they have Bedlam a little bit sooner this year. Yeah. Well, what's the point of having your own podcast if you can't have Purple Shades on? So, Jeremiah being yeah. the objective journalist that has has no bias towards TCU, which is why I respect you. Absolutely. What? Yeah. Who do you? What? Tell us who you got in the Big Twelve title game. I've got. This is uh, probably controversial, but I got an all Oklahoma Big Twelve title game. I've got, uh, and, and I've got Oklahoma State beating Big Brother back to back games, Bedlam, and then in the Big Twelve championship game. So. Oh man. Yeah, I, I really like the Pokes this year, and uh, I got TCU coming in third in the conference at ten and two. So, uh, it's going to be, I think. Both TCU and Oklahoma finished ten and two, and I see Oklahoma State either twelve and zero or eleven and one. But Oklahoma, with the head to head advantage over TCU, because I think TCU is going to lose both of those Oklahoma games, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State this year. That that's a take hotter than a grease fire at a waffle house. <laughs> Man, all right, back, back to oh bedlam, bedlam, and then in Big Twelve title game. So. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, – I got Oklahoma and TCU in the Big 12 title game. I think we are 10-2 and two and and have a tie, but we somehow get bumped in because I think uh, I think we'll be 10-2. and two. I think we'll lose to Oklahoma in the, in the regular season. And then I think we're going to beat OU in the Big 12 title game because I don't think uh, Lincoln Riley is going to be able to beat Gary Patterson twice. So I've got to go in 10-2, and two, and I think that we'll get to the Big 12 title game and win it which of course would mean that the Big 12 probably would miss the playoff with TCU yep. um, being not that it, 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 there's a lot of things that that could factor into that of course you know beating an you know we need Oklahoma to beat to beat Ohio State we need uh, Oklahoma State to beat Pitt we need obviously need to beat Arkansas we need West Virginia to beat uh, uh, Virginia Tech we need the Big 12 to do well in non-conference and I think that that and begin to bolster some of our status, especially when it comes down to splitting ties with other teams that might have one or two losses. So, but I got the TC, I got the or I got the Horn Frogs winning the Big Twelve, and I didn't think we would do very well last year, and I was right, and I think we might do a little better this year, and I think I'm going to be right. So, I would not turn down a chance to go see the Frogs in Arlington to win the Big Twelve title. I think Baylor loses to Duke. Oh, I do too. I do too. Oh yeah, I think Baylor. I think Baylor wins four games this year. Hopefully I think Baylor wins four, Liberty. Four, four or five games. I, I think I've said this maybe last time we had a podcast. I think Tech is going to pull up the rear end of the Big 12 this year. I, I think they win maybe two games. Big, uh, Tech, Tech has Houston. They have Eastern Washington, who's an FCS power. They're going to lose to Eastern Washington. They're going to lose they to Eastern are. Washington. I'm calling it they're right gonna, now. They're going to lose to Eastern Washington. Tech. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're going to lose to Houston. They're definitely going to lose to Houston. Who's the who's who's y'all's dark horse for the Big Twelve? Who's who's the team that, other than Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, Kansas State or TCU, that West Virginia? I mean, West Virginia's. I, I don't know what Will Greer's going to do, but I know well, he's going to do steroids. Well, and, and hey, and West Virginia's going to hit you in the mouth. He needs to. I didn't know they and hired I, our Bryles. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There, there it is. is. <laughs> Uh, I think I think West Virginia. You got to keep an eye on them. They're always dangerous, and who knows? I mean, they might catch lightning in the bottle with Will Greer, and uh, they've always got good athletes at receiver. So, and the Morgantown's a tough place to play. So that's my dark horse. I'm really low on West Virginia this year. I, I think they're going to come in. I remember the you saying that last week. Bowl. You said they weren't even going to make a bowl game, right? Nope, I don't think they're going to make a bowl game. I don't. I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that, but they're not going to win eight games. I'll say that. They might win six games now, but they're not going to win eight games. Uh, the dark horse that's not, not going to compete for the title, but it's going to beat some teams they shouldn't is Iowa State. Iowa State's going to go to a bowl. I, I could see them beating West Virginia and everybody below them. I could see 
them putting the scare, putting the fear of God into Oklahoma State. Um, I'm, I'm big on Matt Campbell. I'm, a big, I'm big on Iowa State. I think that they're going to exceed expectations this year and do a whole lot better than they did last year. So I guess the team that's, that's you know, here's some irony. What's the one team we haven't mentioned yet? Texas. Texas. Let's that's go ahead. The team and- who I, that's the team who I think can have a, a really good chance, decent chance to, to win it just because of their schedule. They've got Kansas State's at home, Oklahoma's neutral site game, Oklahoma State's at home. Their two toughest road games are TCU and West Virginia. And I'm kind of agreeing with you, Jeff. I don't think West Virginia is going to be as tough. I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, in the cellar or anything like that in the Big 12. I think they're still capable of winning seven, eight games. But that TCU game up in Fort Worth, I mean, that, that could be a very, very important game on November 4th. I mean, that yeah. all eyes could be on that game. I'm saying they're going to win nine games. Uh, there's yeah, no doubt they're going to be. They're no. They're they're going to be better this year. And the people that don't want to hear that, I'm sorry. It's a, they're going to be better. They were already going to be better even with Charlie Strong this year. I mean, this was the year that he was going to take a step. But with all the hype they've got with Herman, and I, I think uh, they've got they're going to be physical and they've got they've got athletes. So I think this year they win nine games. I've said this on the board a hundred times. But for any TCU fan that doesn't believe Texas can be good, just go back to 2014 and tell me that you were going to predict a team with so many returning starters uh, and a quarterback that was kind of questionable if he was even going to be the starter the next year and tell me that you had them going 12-1 and one and, and finishing number three in the country. So yeah. any, any naysayers, just go back to that season and, and take a look. And that's what kind of buzz you got right now at Texas. I mean, that's – They've got the athletes, guys. Jeremiah just yeah. said they've got they've got the athletes. They got skills at every position, and now they've got a little hot. They got coaches that believe in them and what they can do, and, and those players who believe in it themselves. And I'm telling you, we've all seen it. All us four have seen it firsthand. What a simple change, like a change of offensive philosophy, new coaches. We've seen what it can do to a program. You know, I'm gonna take. Whole- Holy hell for saying this, but I'm going to go on the record. I think Texas beats USC. Hold on. Yeah, I'm not so hot on USC this year. I think I'm not USC either. Is overrated every year. I think so oh, USC, yeah. I think it's like in the Constitution that they have to be a top five team if they won six games a season before. So, <laughs> Georgia, too. I, I think Georgia, yeah, Georgia as well, yes. Um, USC is going to be is overrated. Man, that hype machine is just it's it's out of control. And here's the deal. Look at what Tom Herman did at Texas. He always knew how to get up and win the big games. He beat Florida State, he beat Louisville, he beat Oklahoma. And now now he that that's when they go beat USC, can you imagine how out of control it's going to get for the Texas hype machine? Oh, it's going to be They'll crazy. be back. Gonna be crazy. They'll be back. <laughs> yes. yeah, how much? But, how much better is that for TCU whenever they knock them off in Fort Worth? That is exactly it. And I want everybody on the board to understand that because look, it is it is so much better to beat an overhyped Texas team than it is a scrappy Baylor team. And so when we beat a team that's going to be like that, it's going to it's going to carry a lot more weight. But here's the other thing about Herman. Now we don't have a ten year body of work, but look at this. He beat he beat Florida State. He beat Texas, and he beat Florida State, he beat OU, he beat Louisville, but he also lost to UConn, and he lost to SMU. I mean, I mean, I guess in Navy, I guess I actually give him great. I'm a, I'm a huge Navy fan. Uh, Navy play that maybe their piss was yeah. just solid yellow that week. It wasn't clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they must have been off the charts on the piss color. But look at um, their, their, his ability to exceed expectations when the chips are down. But then that's the equivalent of turning around. And losing by 14 to K State, or, or getting blown out um, against a team like when Oklahoma State comes to town, I think that that could he he he, would, he doesn't always know what to do after that. So I think they're going to beat USC. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Oklahoma, but then also lost three Big 12 games. So I'm really curious to see what Herman's going to do in his first season. There's some kind of but it will hype with him, and I don't mean like media hype and outside hype, but you saw it when Houston lost to Memphis last year; they completely deflated. I mean, they were blowing it, blowing Oklahoma away at the start of the year, and they lose to Memphis, and then they just, you know, crap out completely. So there's something mental there um, that I, I feel like it, it's got to be Tom Herman. So we'll see how that translates when it gets to Texas with more pressure. Yeah. 
I think he's kind of a nutcase. And that might be what it's required to to be a successful. I mean, you got to be a little on edge to be a successful Division One coach. I mean, I think Nick Saban is like probably the least enjoyable person in the world to be around, but he wins. Um, look at look at Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. So I, I I get that Herman is probably a little off center, but he wins. So I'm really curious. I just can't to see what take a guy there. serious that puts a grill on. I'm sorry. I just to try to connect with his guys. It seems so shallow to me at the uh, time. I understand. Hey, he gets guys fired up to play, but that bit right there, I was just like, I guess you got to do what you got to do to recruit kids to Houston, and it worked for him. So, and then he good left for him. him, and then he left him high and dry. Can you but, imagine uh, Bill Snyder you, getting? Everybody knew that was coming. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just got his denture. He takes his dentures out and puts in his grill. That's good. That's that's rich right there. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe Gundy with a grill and a mullet. I mean, that's like straight out of the county fair in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. <laughs> I would love to see that. Oh, man. If you've never been there, you, you ain't missing much. <laughs> oh, I've been there. I'm sure <laughs> you ain't missing much. So, uh, well, let's uh, let's wrap up here with just a couple quick hits. I'm going to give you five games. Uh, we're gonna I'm going to give you a couple quick games here. We're going to do a little round robin. I want you to just tell me, do we win or do we lose? And some of these are going to be easy as can be, but I just want to hear from you. We'll go around here. Daniel, we're we going to beat Jackson State by over 40 points. Yeah. Awesome. I'm in agreement. You are correct. Jeremy, are we going to beat Arkansas in Fayetteville? Yes. Yes, we are correct. SMU, we're going to be hosting SMU. Jeremiah, will SMU keep it within 14 points? No. No, they will not. We will blow out SMU this year. Although I do want Chad Morris to do well so that he can go to Aggie and continue their generational curse of uh, mediocrity. We go to Stillwater. Daniel, will we win finally in Stillwater? Will the Frogs beat the Pokes? No. No, you're you're wrong. We're going to beat Oklahoma State. I want somebody to write that down. <laughs> We're going to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, after a bye week, we go to West Virginia. Jeremy, two questions. Number one, do we beat the Mountaineers in West Virginia? Yes. Second question, if you divorce your cousin in West Virginia, are you still brother and sister? I could apply to Arkansas, too. Yeah, that's a different kind of thing because you got the different gene streams from uh, different migration patterns. Uh, West Virginia is just kind of isolated. My wife's from West Virginia. Okay, I'm so, I apologize. <laughs> oh, snap. Did you say your sister was from West Virginia? <laughs> oh. Oh, I heard that, man. No, I heard that. No, yours is, man. <laughs> okay. Well, on a lighter note, K-State, are we going to win at K-State, Jeremiah? Uh, yes. I think second, they will. second question, will Bill Snyder be the coach on on October 14th? Yes. Yes. I keep hearing rumors that he might retire um, the first week of the season so that his son can take over as the interim. I would not put that past him. Daniel, we got Kansas at home October 21. Will we finally beat them by double digits? Ooh, yeah, I think so. Wrong. We're going to have another game where seven men will end up in ER at Harris because of our inability to beat Kansas by more than, than, than a field goal, it feels like. Jeremy, we got Iowa State. Will they be uh, fighting for bowl eligibility on October 28th when we go to Ames, and will we win that game? Yeah, I think they're going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, and TCU's going to win the game, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Okay. I agree with you on all that. Jeremiah, November 4th, uh, we play at home against the University of Texas Longhorns. How many times will Texas be back before the game on, on November 4th? Over, <laughs> under, on twice. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to be back right out, right out of the gate. I, I, I'm with you. I think they might beat USC. So um, they're going to probably come in with a pretty good hype machine behind them. But I think TCU stops them right there. I think so, too. You know, they've got Maryland week one. And you – just don't go into Maryland and, and win a game. So I have a feeling they might, uh, I don't know. They, I mean, I know they're playing in Austin, but I, I, I think they might get a whole lot of hype out of beating Maryland too. The same kind of hype you should get from when you beat a quality team like Purdue from the big 10. Right, yeah, I right. think we will be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, 
the November 11th, we play at Oklahoma. Over, under on how many players Ty Summers knocks out of that game? Three. Uh, give me the over. Give you the over. Do we win that game? Yes. I agree. You are correct. November 18th at Texas Tech. Jeremy, will Cliff Kingsbury still be the head coach when we go to Lubbock? You know, two years ago, I would have said yes, but after what I saw last year, I would say no. It's not. It's 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 the it's the end thing to fire coaches during the season now. So I don't think he's going to be the coach. You know, I think you might be right, especially if Chad uh, Chad Morris gets some traction this year. They will want to get into the Chad Morris bidding war because they they could have hired him last time and they should have hired him last time. And I don't think Kirby Holcutt's going to let him slip away this time. So. We'll see what happens there with Texas Tech. I think you're right. I think we beat them, and I don't think King, uh, Cliffy Boy is going to be the head coach by then. Daniel, I'm sorry. I wanted to ask you this question, but it just isn't how it fell on the on the flow here. So, Jeremiah, Baylor, November 25th. How many wins will Baylor have when they come to Fort Worth to end their season? I think they'll be sitting at four, and I think TC's going to slap them down very hard. I think Matt Rule's going to get a rude awakening to Fort Worth. I think I'm allowed to believe two things at the same time. Number one, I think Matt Rule is a good coach and a good he person. He's a good coach. He's a good person, but yeah. But I also <laughs> think, can you imagine thinking that I'm going to overhaul the defense and bring a pro-style offense to the Big 12 with that roster, with that roster depletion? And they, what do they have? Six scholarship players on the offensive line right now that have ever taken a snap, five offensive, something ridiculous like that. They're, they're, they've moved and, tight ends to the offensive Gary line. Patterson's defenses feast on pro style offenses, so yeah. that yes, you know, that's that's a really bad matchup for Baylor. So if we get to the end of the season and they're depleted, if their numbers are down, if if they have even you know minuscule injuries on the offensive line, and we're humming and we're rolling at the end of the year and we're trying to make a point to the to the people that meet up at the Gaylord and Grapevine, I, I would not be surprised if we just roll them and pour it on for the sake of um, impressing the committee, and I hope we do. I won't hey, lose any sleep about that. Yes. Hey, hey, for inter- entertainment purposes, can you ask Daniel that same question? Yeah, yes, I can. I'm, I'm just, hey, Jeremiah gave a good answer. I just want, I'm, I'm kind of uh, interested to see what Daniel has to say. Go for it, buddy. What do you think, Daniel? What was the question? Uh, do you believe that Baylor is a better institution than TCU, especially on the football field? <laughs> <laughs> Um, there are very few institutions that Baylor is better than, whether that be academic or otherwise. <laughs> Do you think we beat them by 50? At least. I would like that. Keep, very keep going. Keep, keep going. It's going to be a, more a, questions it's gonna be a clown stomping like we've never seen. <laughs> We're going to treat them like a bathroom at Bucky's. Hey, hey. <laughs> If, if if Baylor comes if Baylor comes in and they're not doing really well after what they've done the last year they're not representing the Big Twelve very good will Daniel tell the Baylor players good job Big Twelve if we ever confirm that was you that was not me are you sure very sure you could have just claimed it and oh. just added to your legend That's all right, right you caught me. <laughs> Good job. Big no, uh, but Good you know job, what? I did always sit over there, so it may have been me. You know that guy that got into it? What was their strength coach's name? Oh, Kaz, Kaz, Kaz. whatever. Yeah, he finally got let go. Yep. They, they finally cleaned house. They finally cleaned. Yeah. Here's my thing about that Baylor roster, man. They're so thin, and you got a lot of guys that just – I mean, I know they were going through a lot of crap off the field last year. But those guys just quit. When TC went down to Waco, after TCU hit them in the mouth, there was, that was the least amount of fight I've ever really seen in a football team. Um, I have I, there's a lot of those same that. guys. There's a lot of those same guys that are still on the roster. So you hit them in the mouth early, and if they're on a, at a four-win team at that point, they may just lay down again. I have a quasi-theory about how that happened. You notice that um, I think the coaches gave up. I think they won the first six games, which guaranteed a bowl game, uh, which, you know, should have given them more money. And then you notice they lose every game after that. 
because it didn't matter. But once they got to the bowl game, winning the bowl game means more money, and they killed them. So maybe that—that's not a bad theory. That's I'll, I'll not a bad it. theory. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because they looked hapless in that, and and the was it uh, little brows that was calling the game that day, and yep. it was just I don't know I. There was just such a lackluster. I don't. Effort. I don't think they gave any effort through the week. I don't think they watched film. I think they did the minimum they had to, because I've never seen a, a team. I mean, they were lost. I thought Seth Russell might have been concussed at the time, but then I kind of put it all together and saw that they won the first six, which gets them to a bowl and blah blah blah. So that's what I think. The only thing that stops me from believing that one hundred percent is that they also, you know, needed a good resume for their next year's job. So, eh, I don't know. All I know is the last two seasons, uh, Charlie Strong beat Baylor. And so they say that Charlie Strong um, wasn't a very good coach, but he still found a way to beat a bowl-eligible Baylor both those years. And I love that the last season that our Browse coached, he got beat by Texas, he got beat by Oklahoma, and he got beat by TCU, which is the way it should be. So I was delighted uh, to see them kind of fold up shop last year, get get annihilated by Baylor, get annihilated, or Baylor get annihilated by Oklahoma, TCU, Texas. It was a great moment in Big Twelve history, as far as I'm concerned. I've watched that so good TCU job, Baylor game from last year probably 50 times since. <laughs> it's, oh, it's glorious. My favorite touchdown in that game is Shea Wope. That was a good one. That was a good one. I, I There's like a lot the, to choose from. I like the Nico Small pick six right after we score. The very first play, Russell throws it right into him, and then we score again. It's just like you couldn't stomp on him any harder at that point. No, but we found a way to. Yes. <laughs> we did. Well, guys, we're going to have a lot uh, going forward to talk about because hopefully by the time we talk next week, we will have real game action to break down more than just um, you know random commentaries on Baylor which we could fill an hour with. We're going to talk a lot about the Frogs next week, about our game with Jackson State. We'll obviously have some other games across the Big 12 as well as some other games. I'm looking forward to that Alabama-Florida State game. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing LSU-BYU, most importantly, where they're going to play. Um, I guess I should have said this at the beginning. I, I meant to, but, man, God bless all you guys in Houston. If you need anything, and if you're in Houston you need anything, put it on the board. Um, if you've got resources that um, you can connect, uh, can connect people to, we would love to to be able to help you on that. I mean, we'll be praying for you and thinking about you, everybody down in Houston. That's, that is a mess. So God bless you all. And hope, yeah, hope pray, but the pray, best. prayers for everybody on the board that's from Houston and, and, uh, all you get anybody down there in Houston, man, we're, you guys have been in our prayers and, um, it's really cool. JJ Watt did a cool donation thing today. He set it up and it was within two hours, they had raised $200,000. So he upped it to 500,000. It's already surpassed that. The last time I checked, it was almost at a million dollars in donation just started this morning. So wow. uh, my wife and I donated and wish I had the means to donate even more. But, man, it's been awesome to watch the Tex- you know, Texans pull together and help each other out. And even people from Louisiana coming over to help out and saying, you know, they remember what Texans did for them during Katrina. So, just you know, we're praying for you guys and just, you know, hopefully everybody stays safe down there. Yeah, yeah we have a we have a ton of ton of uh, subscribers that are out of the Houston area and Man, they followed us through the years, and, and please, guys, if, if you have anything, it's monetary. If it's something we can have uh, connections with with other residents down there, just please let us know. Like Jeff said, send a message on the boards. If, if you're too embarrassed to send a message through direct message, any any means of communication will help. Just just let us know. We're praying for you guys. You know, the guy I want to give a shout out to. I've been thinking of is is Ace Gogan, the, the guy that ran the uh, great Davies Ghost Twitter account that launched the the Micah Ahern scholarship matching for home runs. You know, he was the guy that, that put all the energy behind that, that raised over $50,000 to honor and remember Micah Ahern. And I know he lives in Houston and I've been following a little bit on Twitter with him and he, he's been impacted. You know, he's uh, I, I know he's dry, but man, you just can't have all that rain hit you and not be impacted. So I've been thinking about Davey a lot. So um, anybody else that's from Houston, please, please post a message on that. Reach out to me. I got some friends that are pastors in Houston whose churches have been, you know, flooded and impacted and others that are trying to turn them into mission stations before they get flooded. So, man, if you need resources, just send me a message on there. I can I know people that can that can know people that can connect with you. So we want to do everything we can to help you out. So on that note, God bless everybody in Houston. 
God bless the Frogs, and I look forward to talking to you next week after a big win over Jackson State. So for Jeremy and Jeremiah and Daniel, I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.